Being a good parent isn't just about having a set of skills or knowing the right thing to do all the time. Ask any good parent you know. They can tell you their pro tips, but most are happy to admit that a lot of parenting feels like winging it. Who we are and how we continue to grow matters because our kids pick up most of what they learn from us by watching how we do things, not by listening to our instructions. So join me on this journey of remodeling our mindsets so that our actions speak to those watching. I'm Dr. Dina Shelton, and this is Remodel Parenting. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Remodel Parenting as we continue our lessons from Classic Research series. Today, I'm going to cover Ross's False Consensus Effect Study. Sounds a little bit less exciting than some of the other titles. And honestly, it is a less covered uh, set of studies, but the outcomes of it and what we learn from it are very valuable. I'll give the same disclaimer I'm giving on all of these, that a lot of these experiments were performed before certain research ethics were in place. In fact, many were born out of these studies. And so discussing the findings is only honoring what was learned, but is not condoning or expressing any support for tactics that might not be effective or ethical today. Um, but we are going to discuss this series of studies that were really influential and honestly may have more influence than a lot of the other studies on our current culture and situation. In the 1970s, Ross and his colleagues at Stanford studied people's tendencies to form what he called a false consensus or an incorrect assumption about the beliefs and attitudes of others as it relates to our own. Now, a series of studies that they did ignited so much research in this area and there's so much empirical support for this idea of a false consensus effect that in the 10 years after they produced their first study results, 50 additional papers were published in journals about this effect. Now, maybe it doesn't sound like a lot. Maybe it does sound like a lot to you guys. But 50 peer-reviewed journals from research articles and research-based um, knowledge is a lot anyway. When you backtrack to the 70s and 80s, when we're still card cataloging and physical journaling and writing these things and not writing them on computers, that is a lot of research and a lot of work that was driven by these findings. So much support for this. And so there is a lot to be gained and learned. In Ross's original set, there were four primary studies. And I'm going to focus on just the first one because the others were more of offshoots that put um, the same type of study in kind of physical settings and situations. But you'll get the gist with the first one. Um, in the first study, they asked people to come in and they gave them questionnaires. And so people just simply filled out questionnaires. The questionnaires were interesting because they offered written scenarios of situations that kind of left the reader in a position to have to make a choice. Um, some of them were more kind of like ethical dilemmas or things going wrong and you'd have to choose how you were going to do how you were going to do something or how you would um, act in that situation. Now, each person was given two options of how to respond to the scenario. Would you do this or would you do that? As the participants read these, they were asked to give their choice. This is what I would do in this situation. But then they were also asked, hey, if you think about all of your peers, what percentage do you think would make each of these choices that we've offered? And then they gave them another set of questions that really had them give feedback on the traits or demeanor or type of person 
that someone would be to choose either of those options that were provided in response to the scenario. So what they were really wanting to find out is, which one would you do and what do you think about how many other people would do the same thing and what are they like if they don't do the same thing or do the same thing as you? The study found that regardless of which option was chosen in each case, people tended to believe that more people would choose like them. Uh, I looked at the original data. I actually pulled up the original research on this because I'm a research nerd and I love uh, to explore these types of things. And there were five scenarios that they were given. And I looked at what the personal choice, I was really curious about the personal choice division. How many people, you know, were choosing each? Two of them were really close to 50-50. About half the people said they would do one, half the people said they would do the other. Um, Two were around 60-40 and one was 80-20. But overall, the responders just believed that the way that they would respond is like how most people would respond. And they were more likely to assign negative traits or kind of, you know, just thinking that it would be inappropriate or not okay or that there's something wrong if you chose the other one for any reason, really. And better traits and qualities in people who would choose like them. That kind of makes sense too, right? So let's break this down. Here's what it means. We all like to think that we're intentional, well-meaning, and intelligent people who make decisions based on important things and draw conclusions that are correct as a result of that. Uh, Whether it's choosing schools for our children, food to eat, hobbies, spending money, parenting tactics, whatever it is that we're choosing, we believe we're making the right or at least okay and not damaging choices or we wouldn't be making them, right? So when we believe that we're making conscious, intelligent, purposeful decisions, we believe we've made the right choice or we would have chosen something else. But as a result of that, we also tend to have an internal method by which we see those choices that we are choosing as common, accepted, and appropriate for the circumstances. Meaning, I've not chosen them necessarily because they are correct and right for me in my own circumstances. I have because they are common and acceptable, and this is the right type of thing to do here, in general, for people. And so we believe that others would do the same without recognizing how many other aspects may go into our own decision making. We're also more likely to believe that people who choose differently than we do are rarer, more deviant, and or inappropriate. This should um, hit you a little bit because it may sound very familiar to what we hear in terms of all types of political and social discussions right now are very polarized effects. Um, But this is called the false consensus effect. We assume that others we associate with are like us and choose to do things like we do and that people who do not choose the same things that we do are somehow less or worse, less intentional, less of a critical thinker, and maybe not even as good of a person. We assign worse traits to them. Because in our minds, the decisions that we've made are straight, logical and rational versus being very subjective to our own situations, our own cultures, and our own ways of doing things. And so we end up making and passing judgment calls on the other people who are making different decisions or see things differently without that really being a full connection, without having the justification to do so. Well, if I have made this decision, if I believe this thing because of all of these things that have happened, and I know all these things are true, and I've come to this decision, then someone who comes to a different decision either doesn't understand all the truth or they don't care. That's really bad logic. 
because so much of how we understand things comes from our own perceptions and our subjective experiences in reality. It's rare that we are actually only using hard fact to support our decision making in life. It's just very, very rare. Now, this false consensus effect is not something you can really stop. But awareness of these things makes us so much more likely to be able to step back and create other options. Guys, this could go so deep in so many ways. So I'm going to really hone in and focus on parenting because we could get into so many other directions with this topic. And if this is hitting you, go read a little bit more about it. It's fascinating to read some of what's been done, especially in current um, research in understanding especially how culture impacts our decisions and how damaging and honestly how much it can pull from us and when we don't realize that there are other ways to make decisions or see the world and we end up not being able to expand as much and gain as much um, especially when we need more options. So the downside about this false consensus effect is that when we're doing things that don't work as parents and my word how often does that happen not only is it and it's not just doing things that don't work like oh I can't figure out what to do with my kid in this area I'm actually pretty good at that personally I have a lot of tools in my tool belt but here's the thing it's set up in a way to make us keep tripping up The minute that I get on top of what one of my kids needs or what's going on, the minute that I get a handle on it, it's like everything changes again and that tool doesn't work anymore. So it doesn't even matter how many tools I've come prepared with. I'm in the same place every other parent is every single time my kids change. And so when we get stuck and there are times where I just go, I don't know what to do. I have no idea what to even try now. I've tried everything I can think of. Um... When that's the case, we just have a tendency to kind of go all or nothing and just believe that, listen, I've already done everything that I can um, because, you know, I was already doing it the right way and now it's not working. I've done everything that I can and just be really closed off and unable to move on to something else. And then we can really be resistant to new ways of doing things, especially in parenting. It's almost like we um default accidentally to the idea that we knew all the options and picked the best one and that one hasn't worked so obviously there's no workable solution for our kid and our kid is just extra hard and difficult or that um that other things are in place that are making it not go the right way and we suppose that because we have this idea or decision on how it should be going and how you intervene in certain things that it is the best way and that we picked it from all the ways but we don't because there are no, so many different ways to parent, engage, sometimes not engage, and balance back out that even if we've heard of them or know them before, we don't always see them clearly until the lens is kind of pulled off of us and we can see through somebody else's lens that's helping us out. Um Our ways of doing things, and I've said this before, but so much about parenting is cultural. We have a shared set of beliefs in our groups, like our family system, geographic areas, class, race, religion, just to name a few. All of the intersection of all of these groups that we're part of have told us how to parent and how to parent well. But sometimes the conclusions that we even draw or take from culture don't work. And then when they're not working, we have to start looking outside of the things that we just know. And we have to be able to stretch and move beyond that. But we're hesitant sometimes to try tactics that are very different from our normal way of doing things 
because of this innate polarization on, well, the way I was approaching it was the way that was good and a well-meaning person would do it that way. And so to approach it differently is bad. If I decide that I'm going to let this go, then I am an irresponsible parent. I hear that a lot of times and I've, you know, and I've even personally experienced some of this too with grades with our kids. I want my kids to do well in school. One of the things that good parents do is make sure their kids do well in school. Many of us would hear that and agree with that. And then how we apply it is actually a lot more individual and cultural. So my kids have to make fill in the blank, these types of grades. So my kids must be in these types of things. And we start to get more specific about what has to happen. And when that's not going on, you know, one tactic that is very common and very effective with um, pre-adolescents and adolescents is handing their grades over to them. And that is very scary for parents who want to see their kids achieve highly, um, especially if the kids are not on board with that. (laughs) But to balance the mental and emotional health of the family, some of those expectations at time have to adjust and change. It can be one of the most difficult hurdles for a parent to jump over because it feels like it is bad parenting to, quote, not care about your kid's grades because somehow not micromanaging grades is very closely associated with not caring. And that is just a mental battle and struggle for the parent. And it really has nothing to do with care for kids and even care for education. There's just so much more than that. But it gets so far deep into the weeds that we have a hard time um, separating it all out. A really practical day-to-day step for making this process easier is to watch the judgments that we make on others for doing things differently from what we do. Um, many times we, we have automatic thoughts and automatic reactions to what we see going on around us. So someone deviates from what we would think is normal and I don't know how they stand in line, how or where they park, what they are doing with their time, what they are doing in a public place, um, that's not necessarily deviant, but it's just different from what we would do. And our tendency is to pass a negative judgment usually on what they're doing. We don't tend to be very tolerant of a lot of differences in the way that other people are going. We focus on it, we watch it, and we determine compared to what we do if it is okay or not okay. And I would just tell you to be aware of that, to start letting that be something that comes to your your mind. When, when we're inclined to raise our eyebrows and judge another parent who we perceive as being too harsh or too permissive with their tantrum-throwing child, um, that's an overflow of this false consensus effect. It goes from, you're doing this different than I would, to you aren't doing this right, to you must have something wrong with you because you're choosing to do it this way. And that consistent way of thinking not only harms our ability to build relationships with others, but it harms our ability to explore and figure out how to do things when stuff isn't working for us anymore. And it's not helpful, of course, to the parents around us because maybe that parent should be doing it a different way. Maybe they shouldn't. But either way, Whatever the real truth is there, my judgment on it means exactly zero things except a bad day in my own head and continuing this cycle of being so wrapped up in my own way of doing things that I'm not stretching my brain to exercise being freer to just interact with other people's ways of doing things without creating a judgment on it. I don't have to go that extra step. I can see what it is. I can call it what it is of what they're doing. And I can say that it's different from me. I don't have to keep going steps. In casting judgment that it's wrong or bad or not okay, 
unless it's harmful, right? And then, you know, in our state, in Texas, if you're in Texas, we're all mandated reporters and you've got to you've got to make a report on that. But if it's not, when it comes to parenting, if it's not harmful to a child, then differences are just simply that. Everybody trying to figure out how we are doing this and trying to do it the best way that we can. So if you catch yourself, stop and change the thought. If you find yourself judging another parent for the way they're doing something, you have to stop and call it out in yourself, just like you would if your child or your spouse or somebody else is being overly harsh and judgmental about somebody else. Stop and make it a real thing. But you can't just stop and go, oh, I'm not going to think judgmental things about them and then move on with your life. You actually have to create a new thought that is gracious or gives space or is at least humble in retrospect and finish out the thought in a different way. This is a cognitive behavior therapy principle that we use quite a bit. Um, Thought stopping and halting a set of thoughts is only beneficial to kind of come to a point, but to change the way that we think, and you can completely change and adapt how you think over time, you have to put new thoughts in there. And so we recreate where our brain goes when we're having judgmental thoughts about another person. And when we realize that we stop and we say something to counter it where we say, this parent is doing the best that they know how to do. I don't know the whole situation here. I've been in a similar situation before my own self and I felt just as stuck and people probably judged me too. And finish out that sentence with grace towards the other parent because that's what's going to keep us in the best mindset not to eliminate this false consensus effect because it's not something that we can fully get rid of, but to help us navigate in a way where we can accept and engage in new ideas to help us get through this process of raising our children. Um, we can't raise it with we can't raise them well with less resources and less people to pour into us and the amount that we may gain from other people's ways of doing things at time. Oh, so helpful and so valuable. I can't tell you. The number of parents who have poured into me being honest and real about what they have done with their kids and how they have um, reconceptualized things and and made choices that feel counterintuitive to the ones I've been making up to this point. And it still requires me to change. And the number of things that go well in our family because we have changed how we do things and we've gotten outside of our own mindsets of what is the quote right way to do things and we've been willing to try other stuff has been phenomenal and we're so grateful to everyone who has poured into our lives in that way as well Um, i hope you enjoyed this episode and keep listening tune in next week for another lesson from classic research thank you so much for listening to remodel parenting if you know someone who could benefit from this episode i hope you'll share it with them And if you love what we're doing, like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have topics you'd like to hear about, email us at info at theremodelproject.com. 